recorded live.
But we'll see. I do appreciate the prayers, though, very much. Well, tonight we're going to be in Daniel chapter 7. And Daniel chapter 7 is one of the most, is one of the most pivotal chapters when it comes to prophecy and all the Word of God. Daniel starts explaining what he saw in chapter 2. And he starts, like I told you when we started the book of Daniel, the first six chapters are a historical about Daniel's life there. Daniel's on up in age, and now he's going to, the, the book's are kind of out of out of kelter. It talks about Belshazzar, and Belshazzar's done dead. This book should, could have been placed back earlier, as we're going to see when we get started in. But I'm not going to deal with all those minute details. We're here to try to study the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit show us some things out of his book instead of um, my major on the minors like me and Brother Chad was talking about today. We don't want a major on the minors and, and minor on the majors, if y'all know what I mean. Anyway, Brother David, if you would, go ahead and open us in a word of prayer. Yes, I will. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give thanks for this evening. And Lord Jesus, I give thanks for Pastor Don that you are healing him and that you're bringing about a complete and utter healing. And I pray that even that this attack from the enemy, this attack, Lord, this poison will actually bring about, by some turn of events, a greater healing in his body than he had before. That the hand of the Lord and the work of this toxin is actually going to bring about a change in his body for the better. And I pray and believe that in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray, pray and ask tonight that the Holy Ghost bring revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ through the Word of God and that we would begin to understand in a greater way the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, how it applied in the past, how it applies currently, presently, not just presently in a world sense of, of governments on the stage, but how it actually applies to us individually as well and how it applies in the future. And I pray that tonight we would indeed see the Lord Jesus Christ high and lifted up in everything that we see in the Word of God, everything that we read, and let all our conversations and, and exposés, Lord, bring pleasure to you and, re and glory to the Lord Jesus. And if we should say or about to say or do something, Lord, help us to zip it. And Father, tonight I pray for healing for um, for Steve and Julie, that Steve would have health in his body, he'd have strength in his mind, and that together Steve and Julie would study the Word of God and be able to share in their environment. I know that he, he's preaching and sharing there. And Lord, we pray that you would use him according to your will and that you would raise him up strong to do this work and I pray for Brother Steve Lipsy, Lord, that you would bring about the desire of his heart, that you would give him the desires of his heart, Lord. Well, often we're just praying and we're lifting up our desires all the time, and our desires are so often contrary to your desires for our life. But, Lord, when you give us our desires of our heart and our desires line up with your desires, there's an open heaven and you hear our prayers and you answer them because you gave them those desires to us to pray and, and to concentrate and to work towards a certain way. And I pray that for Brother Steve and I pray for Brother Sergio out in Vancouver, Canada, Lord, that you would 
bring about in his life a fulfillment of those things that you've shown him and that you would bring about fellowship for him there and that the Lord Jesus Christ would become wisdom from on high and all his actions and all his decisions wisdom from the Lord Jesus Christ the book of the the word of God and from the holy book and not just that but by the spirit and I pray father that you lead him and guide him and be a lamp to his feet and a light to his path and I pray all these things in the name of Jesus so be it amen amen amen, amen. okay folks um Brother uh, Chad, if you would, you can go ahead and turn to uh, Revelation chapter 17, okay, brother? Okay. Uh, I'll have you reading there in, in a little bit when we get a little bit further down here in uh, in Daniel chapter 7. But before we get started here in Daniel chapter 7, let me reiterate some of the stuff I talked about before the program started and even right there at the first in the introduction. Like I said before, I'm going to um, come at this totally out of character in a lot of ways than my brethren would have me do, okay? I'm not going to stick with the party line on a lot of things and because I think we are definitely, beyond any shadow of a doubt, in my, in my opinion, I believe that we are definitely in the middle period toward the end period of the ten-toed kingdom. That when, and this is what Daniel's going to talk about. He's going to start explaining here in chapter 7 and in the, in the upcoming chapters. He's going to explain the very thing that we read in Dan, the very first vision we saw of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, of the image that he saw. He's going to explain it in different ways. He looked at it from a man's perspective the first time, he explained it to Nebuchadnezzar, and here or later on we see that God deals with him and deals with Daniel and Daniel shows Daniel the truth in visions and dreams and idioms that he uses that we see used throughout the Word of God. And later on in the book of Revelation, that's one of the reasons that the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel go hand in hand. We'll see that the historicist view of the way these things are explained from Daniel chapter 7 on to Daniel chapter 11 are ab- to about verse 20 to 21 in Daniel chapter 11 are absolutely spot on. And this is where there's a big break, folks. And I'll try to bring up those areas when we get to them where the big breaks are. It's like when you go down through here and you see when Daniel starts explaining these kingdoms, he's explaining the gold kingdom of Babylon, the silver king, the arms of Media Persia, and he he's explaining Greece, and he's explaining the Roman Empire, and as we get and the Roman Empire, which never was destroyed like the previous empires, it just crumbled and will be be revived again in the end. Okay, now that's saying a mouthful. I understand that, but the historicist view is an absolutely a absolute correct view when it comes to initial fulfillment of these prophecies. And that's where there's a big split at. Because if the, the historicist view had, we've known this since Theodore Siculus and Gibbon. I, I didn't know exactly how to pronounce his name, 
but was an ancient historian, you could read the book of Daniel and, and then look at history and see all the stuff fulfilled. The historicists take the view that with Antioch of Epiphanes, everything was fulfilled. And then we're, that's where the post-millennialists come in that believe time is just marching on, on, on and on until we bring in the kingdom. That's what post-millennialists or our millennials believe, all right? That, that eventually we're just going to bring in the kingdom or the amillennialists, which don't believe in any millennium at all. That's what the word ah means in front of it. They just say that the Lord's going to, and it's just going to go out into eternity and everything's going to eventually end, and then that's where it's going to be. That's where you get the three different views of amillennial, postmillennial, and premillennial, of which I'm a premillennialist. All right? I don't make any bones about that. I believe in an absolute thousand year or a time period reign of the Lord Jesus Christ with a rod of iron. I do not believe that that's taking place now. That's what the postmillennialists believe. They believe that Barack Hussein Obama is just sitting on the allegorical throne of David. All right? They believe all that's allegorical and we're bringing in the kingdom. Well, how do you like your kingdom in Hollywood and Las Vegas and over in Great Britain? How do you like that kingdom? Is it going well for you? Christians getting better and the world's getting more righteous? You see, that this was thought from the early, from the early, uh, after the King James Bible was translated, this the way it was going. It looked that it looked that way. The historicist view looked like it was a slam dunk, but folks, it ain't a slam dunk, as we're going to find out. If you believe the Word of God for what it says, it's not a slam dunk at all. And we'll get further on down here. I'm going to deal with these kingdoms to start with. We're going to Brother David turn to Daniel chapter two while I'm talking, brother. Okay. And start, we'll start with the image and go through the, the image that Daniel originally, uh, that Nebuchadnezzar saw, and then we'll come back to Daniel 7 and see Daniel's interpretation from the vision in his dreams and then what the Holy Spirit has to say about them, okay? Okay. But the way we're going to do this in the first eight verses, I'm going to talk about some of this stuff, make some mentions of it, and when it gets down to verse 9, Daniel's going to skip. He's going to totally change gears. From talking about the visions, and this is where this is another break where people, uh, prophetic students, make a break. They think it's continuous that the, that the um, the the way Daniel's describing this is a continuous thing, and I'll bring that up when we get down there because the vision goes from on earth into heaven back to on earth, and we've been to this chapter umpteen times in the past for specific reasons, and that's where we're going to really make a big detour and i'm going to drag this thing into the present day and to your personal righteousness in jesus christ that's where i'm going to eventually bring it in in the last few verses of this chapter i've been there many many times before but i'm going to bring try to show you the importance because it's from these verses the last few verses in daniel that we get the understanding of the Apostle Paul's mysteries revealed to him about our inheritance and rewards in the kingdom. It's from Daniel 7 and a few uh, obscure verses out of the book of Isaiah. That's where we get it from. And you won't have, you won't, there won't be one out of ten people that will deal with that. And back when, when and as Brother David reads in um, Daniel chapter 2, when he goes back through this um 
image again, when we get down to the most, I think, are the two most important verses, or the three most important verses in the whole thing, because the first part of it has done been fulfilled in history. You can look in history and pinpoint it. That's why the historicists have an excellent case for the first fulfillment, okay? And I'll try to explain that for first fulfillment and dual fulfillment as, as we go on, as we continue on through the book. But Daniel's going to explain this whole thing in chapter 7, 8, and 9. And in chapter 9, he's going to get specific to where he tells you exactly, brings the angel tells him exactly to the day that Jesus Christ rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. To the day. That's why so many people and later on thought that Daniel was written after the fact. And all you got to do is read the book of the Gospels and see that Jesus Christ quoted him and know that Jesus Christ puts his stamp of approval on Daniel being a true prophet. Called the prophet Daniel, okay? And it, it just burns some people up. Even even secular historians. I'm talking. I'm not talking about Christians. I'm talking about secular historians that's read the preciseness of the details of these prophecies that we're going to go through and how accurately they're fulfilled with the four, with the four empires that show up. And, oh, by the way, in parentheses, to all the downloaders that listen to this, there are no Japanese, there are no African, there are no South American empires in the four. This is a book written by the, to the generations of Adam and Adam alone. There are no... Empires that are, are there are no empires in these that Brother David's fixing to read that are Chinese, Japanese, Taiwanese, whatever you want to go, African, mixed up race. These are all Caucasian nations, and anybody can prove it in history. And I'm not going to spend five programs going back through Herodotus and Diodorus Siculus and and all the ancient historians to prove it. Okay. If you want, if you if you don't want to take my word for it, just um, all you got to do is go back and read there. These are the generations of Adam, and follow it on through, and read the genealogies and see where all the kingdoms come up from. The Babylonian kingdom right on down. That's all the proof you should need is the word of God. But it is backed up in secular history. Okay, there are no slant-eyed, black, yellow people involved in these kingdoms. There are none. The only place that there is a there is an integrated kingdom is in the last one. And it's part of the integration that's taking place now that's happening all over the world and I'll bring that up when we get to it. But yeah, anyway the, the Assyrians and the Chaldees and the Babylonians, according to Josephus, were all Shemites. That's exactly correct. And uh you know, we've heard teaching in the past, and it should be corrected that... That all of them were slant eyes. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, no, the Assyrians and so forth were hook noses. That's right. Canaanites. That's exactly and, right. Well, I'm sure they intermarried with them oh, along sure, the way. Of course. But they were basically Shemites. That's exactly and that's why correct. God was using them to rule the world in the first place. That's exactly correct, brother. And, and that's why the book, only deals with four kingdoms, and that's why it's uh, only the Adamic world really pays attention to this book, folks. All the imposters that come in, all the outside things that come in, like the proselytes out of Egypt, 
Okay, They're, that's all they are is just side notes to world history in this book. We are the predominant people of this book. And that is one place that all the prophetic, the prophetic students, they miss the boat. They think when they start t- teaching what I'm fixing to go through, they say this is for, because it's written in Aramaic from chapter 2 on up to the end of chapter 7, that it's all got to do with the Gentile nations. And immediately today, in today's world, when they think Gentile, they think African, Japanese, Chinese, South American. Am I right, brethren? Isn't that what the, that's what the world thinks, right? Yes. The Christian uh, world. That's what's been promulgated and pushed into their minds. It was not originally like this. It wasn't like this originally with John Wesley and Charles Wesley. It wasn't like this with some of the with the early Reformation preachers. It was not like this. They didn't think that way. The songs that we sing out of our hymnals, even they even they lend to this thought. I'm telling you right here. It was this book's always been looked at as a Caucasian book, and don't let nobody ever tell you any different. Because if they do, they'll be they'll be pulling up some some some. Uh, Modern lie is what it what it amounts to. All you've got to do, folks, is just stop and look back at history. And look around you now. Just stop and think. Who has been blessed? What nation what nations founded all the other the, the I want you hear me talk all the time about the white Christian nations? Because it was Christian it was Christianity that formed them all. The great empires, like that's like Daniel's going to talk about, and Brother David's fiction to read. That's what God has used. That's what God has used. And let me tell you, every one of these that Brother David's fixing to read, every one of them falls in decadence and intoxication. I want to throw that out there before I forget it. Every one of them has decadence, immorality, and intoxication of some kind involved with the downfall even of the last mystery Babylon. Remember everybody being drunk with the wrath of her fornication, Brother David? Yes, yes. Every one of these, Alexander the Great gets drunk off a drunken orgy and his kingdom falls and he has to split it up. Now, see, I'm getting ahead of myself. And Belshazzar, it ends. The Cyrus and them come in under the mugget, through under the uh, under the walls when there's a when there's a drunken party going on. They all fall in decadence and in some type of intoxication. The bells ought to be going off in your mind right now. The application to today's light, the the world we live in today, and the and the way it's headed. You know, brother Steve Quell has never said anything right. There's one thing he did say right. He made up a word. He called it technecadence. And all you technology lovers, and the reason I am so anti, I'm anti-world because the, the word of God's anti-world, but the reason I am so against comfort is because of the condition of what comfort always leads God's people into. You don't believe me? Go read the book of Judges. Read the whole word of God. Watch every one of these kingdoms, these world kingdoms. What happens? Watch what happens. 
It's the apex. It's the apex of human civilization. It has been since the beginning of time. The rise and fall of nations. Every time we get fat, happy, and sassy, boom! Now we're at the end of the big boom. When things are leveling out at the bottom of the mountain, we're at the very end time. We're at that point of time where I'm going, when Brother David starts reading, and you're going to start reading in about 10 seconds, but I'm going to shut my big mouth. And, I'm, and I'll show you where I think the most important thing, the most important three verses that is just now being talked about by biblical scholars. So go ahead and read us, Brother, the, uh, the image according to uh, Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel's interpretation of it, brother. Daniel chapter 2, verse 31. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image, this great image whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawst till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer, threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain, and filled the whole earth. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art his head of gold. And after thee shall arise another kingdom okay, inferior brother, stop to thee. Right there for just a second. Watch I want you to watch the wording, how it comes down here. This is the first kingdom, this head of gold. It is the greatest civilization by far. Because as you notice, the very next thing that comes out of Brother David's mouth and out of the Holy Spirit's mouth, out of the book, is the next one is inferior to thee. Okay? Each one is inferior to the other. This golden kingdom you see here is going to be typified in chapter 7 by a lion with wings, which is the symbol of Babylon. Go ahead, Brother Dave. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, 
but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. Okay, folks, I want you to, this is one of the sticking points among prophetic teachers you're going to run into. They're going, some of them out there, is the, the way it's divided, they'll try to tell you there's a fifth kingdom. And there is not a fifth kingdom. The, 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 what looks to be a fifth kingdom comes out of the iron and clay. It's just an extension of the last part of the last kingdom he's talking about. There is not a separate fifth kingdom. If you, if you just believe what you're reading and not try to read into it and try to make some post-millennial, you know, man-exalting kingdom out of it, okay? So go ahead, Brother Dave, keep on. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. But they shall not cleave one to another. Okay, even these as are the verses that, I, that I'm sure that you knew that I was going to say were the, were the verses that I thought were the most important because I believe that these three verses are absolutely in our presence right now. I don't believe that they're future. I believe that they've been in our presence and we're in the middle of this part of this kingdom, of this, it's going to be the little horn as we find out as we go on through Daniel in, in chapter 7 and the rest of the book. It's going to be the little horn speaking great things. It's going to come up out of these ten kingdoms. This seed does not mix with the seed of men. Well, if it's not the seed of men, what is it the seed of? And we'll deal with it later. Continue on, Brother Dave. They shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. There's your key verse that shoots down the extra kingdom. In the days of these kings, what kings? The ten-toed kings. The ten kings. In Daniel 7, they're called the ten horns. The little horn is going to come up out of these ten horns we're going to learn about. Okay? In Daniel chapter 7, there is no new kingdom that comes in. It's one of this, this, this iron mixed with miry clay that mixes itself that will not mix with the seed of men. Okay? And I said that about technecadence a while ago, and I'm going to leave some avenues open for it to be a different interpretation than the way I explain this, okay? I'm, there's three ways that this can be explained, and I'll go ahead and say it right now. It can be explained as not looking at the other races as if they are men. That is a way that it, it has been explained. It has also, it's, it's been ignored mostly, to be honest with you. But the second way is to say that it is a mixture of Genesis 6 of the fallen angel seed mixing with men as it did not mix in Genesis 6. 
it does not mix in the future because they're not men, okay? There is another, a third alternative that you could look at this. With the way things are progressing with transhumanism and the mixture of technology with the human body, it could be looked at like this. How much longer this thing is going to draw out, I do not know, don't profess to know, and anybody that says they does is a bald-faced liar. Okay? Period. That's just the way it is. A thief don't let you know when he's coming. Does he, Brother Dave? No, he doesn't. And he said, the Lord said he would come as a thief in the night. Okay? You can know the time and the season, but you don't know the day and the hour. I fell into that mess 30 years ago, okay? Trying to pick out date set and stuff. All right? Never did completely buy into it 100%, but bought into it 98%, enough to where it messed me up for a while. And I'm telling you, don't get caught up in it either. Because no man will know the day or the hour because he comes as a thief, and no thief knocks on the door and tells you he's coming when he's fixing to come in and rob your house. Simple end of story. Continue, Brother David. Which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to another people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Got that? Forever. The kingdom shall stand forever. That's the that's the thousand year millennium on out into eternity. It mentions m- m- thousand years seven times in the book of Revelation. The that's where the word millennium comes from. That's what the word means. Millennium. Okay, a thousand years. Okay, that's what it means, and it's used seven times. But I, you don't hear me say this very often. But I'm saying it now. It's the figurative. It's, it's figurative in the sense that the the kingdom never ends. There's not no um, 365 days for a thousand years. That's not what it's talking about. It, how do you know? I don't have to read that into the scriptures. Didn't it just tell us here that the kingdom goes on forever, brother David? Yes, it does. So I did not privately interpret anything. Okay. I'm telling you that the millennium it's talking about in the book of Revelation goes at the time period when Satan is thrown into the lake of fire and everything gets turned over to us. That goes on out into eternity. Now let's go to Daniel chapter 7. Okay. Daniel chapter 7. Brother Chad. Yes. Keep up with the time, brother, and see how long see uh, how long we've been on. I, I'm, I'm going I'm to stick true to my word. I'm not going no long time tonight, no two hours like I did the other night. Sure, we're only we're only 35 minutes in. Okay, that, that's we're going headed about in the right direction right now. Then, okay, thank you, appreciate it. Okay, brother Dave, you can start in verse one. Read verse one and two. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Okay, here we see that what I was telling you about to start with. Uh, you could make the case, hey, man, that man Belshazzar is a dead duck, you know. He got killed way back, about 14 years prior, you know. But this is, this is the way they're laid out in the Word of God, and I'm sure the Holy Spirit's got a reason for it. But Daniel is writing all this stuff down, 
when he's going through here, he's writing it down. He's he's a writer. He keeps he keeps him undoubtedly keeps good records. Okay, because we got it in the wonderful form we have it in now, and the Holy Spirit made sure we did. He wrote this dream. He wrote down these visions he had, and all these visions has to do with prophecy in the future. Now he runs into a problem here, and he's the reason you keep saying it. You, we're going to start seeing it. Daniel was troubled in his spirit and troubled in his mind. You know, all Daniel knows is, wait, there's a throne of David, and Christ, the the Messiah, is supposed to sit on the throne of David, and that is supposed to rule forever. That's that's what he. That's all. That's all. All Daniel knows right now. And, that, and it troubles him when he sees this stuff because he knows God's revealing to him through the Holy Spirit in his dreams the interpretation of what is went on back in Daniel chapter 2. Now, he, uh, the way it did the, it, through man's eyes, through Nebuchadnezzar's eyes in Daniel chapter 2, he looked at it like it was metal, gold, silver, brass, iron, and clay. Okay? The two iron and clay mixed together which is wrong. Go ahead and tell you that. You already know that if you know anything about Bible prophecy. The last one is wrong. Okay? But he sees it through metals. Well, Daniel's going to get it in dreams from God and the Holy Spirit as beast, just like as it's revealed to John when he talks about these things in the book of Revelation. So just keep that in mind. And we're going to see, as we get down through here, that these beasts are beasts that you know until we get to the last beast, which is a beast nobody's ever seen anything like because it's, 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 such, it's so outlandish. Keep in mind what I said about verse 40 through 43 back in Daniel chapter 2 about that seed not mixing with the seed of man because it's not man. Okay, and you know what my opinion on it is, because as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, and I think that seals it myself. I gave you the three other interpretations, okay, that most people want to talk about, the ones that'll even mention it and talk about it. Most It's been looked over for, for years. It's been metaphorized and allegorized for years, but it's now... The literal interpretation of it is starting to make hay again out in the, in, I hate to use that word, I'll just use this word, in biblical students' way of thinking and what they're talking about, okay? I'm just telling you what's going on out there amongst, well, I'll just tell you, like the biblical scholars, all right? I call, they shouldn't be scholars, they should be biblical students because a scholar masters his work, and I don't believe it's possible for anybody to master this book. If you could, you'd have the mind of God, and none of us have that yet. Continue on, Brother Dave. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea. Okay. The four winds strove upon the great sea. There's been a lot of speculation about what these four winds were, okay? If you know anything, if you remember the book of Revelation, and we'll get into that probably Monday night, but we won't get as far into it as all this is going to be because that's a little bit later on. 
But you'll remember the four angels that stand on the four corners of the earth and hold back the wind. Well, here the wind is blowing on the waters of the great sea. Now, historically speaking and geographically speaking, this great sea, as it's mentioned throughout the Word of God, is the Mediterranean Sea. But now, I will, if you would, Brother Chad, I want you to turn, uh, you're there in Revelation chapter 17, I want you to start reading at verse 1, okay? Okay. Go right ahead, brother. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will shew unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Upon many waters, okay? Now I want you to drop down, I think it's verse 13, where the angel himself interprets what this many waters is. Brother, I think it's verse 13. I may be wrong. I'm going off of memory. Maybe 12, the 10 okay, horns? I knew it was right in there somewhere. That's your verse 12, the, where the angel explains what the waters are. And the 10 horns, which thou sawest, oh, the what? Okay, this is about the 10 horns. Okay, the waters, which thou sawest, verse 15. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the horse sitteth, are peoples, and multitudes, and nations, and tongues. Okay, y'all got that? That's the Holy Spirit's definition in the angel's mouth of what these waters are. Now, I said historically speaking, and geographically speaking, it's talking about the Mediterranean Sea at the time it's given to Daniel. All right? But in the future, this mystery Babylon deceives the whole world. Remember what we read in Revelation 13, how it deceives the whole world? It encompasses the whole world? Well, right here it tells you that all of these people, nations, and tongues are part of the waters that these winds back here are blowing on. And I've heard many expositors talk about that these are the winds of confusion, propaganda. You, you can hear all kinds of stuff, okay, among expositors when they go to using idioms and metaphor and, and everything. I, my personal opinion, the winds of these, it's got to do with God's will, his sovereign will, in connection with the fulfillment of his book. Because when those winds are stopped, later on, as we're going to find out in the book of Revelation, you're going to see a marked change in what takes place from that moment forward. So I think these four winds, you remember the seven spirits of God that it talks about in the book of Revelation? Remember how there's, it says some people try to make those seven spirits just the Holy Ghost. Dog won't hunt. The dog won't hunt. I've been back in the first time when I first started teaching, I went through uh, a number of the spirit, different spirits that's mentioned in the Word of God, okay? But there's seven specific spirits that happen to be by the throne of God, okay? And I think these four winds have to do with some of God's will, his sovereign will. Now, that's my opinion. And that's the way I look at this right here, this specific thing. The Holy Spirit leads you a different way. Hey, go right ahead. Take it a different direction. I'm not slamming my fist down his doctrine on any of this stuff right down through here, okay? 
I'm just giving you my opinion and what some other people think about it. Next verse, brother. Okay. Brother, yes. Brother Dave, brother three. Oh, right. Okay. Excuse me, brother <laughs> David. Verse three. <laughs> right. Brother three. <laughs> no, I wasn't sure if you wanted Chad there. Just I no. Mean, that's. I just wanted him to explain what the waters were. Yeah. Okay. And four great beasts came up from the sea, okay. diverse one from another. Came up out of the sea. Remember in Revelation, turn to Revelation 13, Brother Chad, drop back to chapter 13 and start reading at verse 1. And let's see where two of these beasts come out of. Revelation 13. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. Okay, don't you remember this? It comes up out of the sea, seven heads and ten horns. There's the ten horns. Remember the ten toes, okay? Comes up out of the sea. Now, we're going to find out when we get further on in Revelation that there's one of these don't come up out of the water. It comes out of, out of the bottomless pit. A difference. When things are different, folks, they're not the same. So, bye-bye, historians. Historians, you're wrong. You're wrong. It wasn't Antiochus Epiphanes. In his in his in historical interpretation, absolutely. First fulfillment, absolutely. Antiochus Epiphanes was a was a type, a first fulfillment, so to speak, a type of the real thing coming in the future. No doubt about it. I'm sure some of y'all have heard that before. You've heard that the abomination of desolation was met was sacrificing a pig on the altar. Okay, by Antiochus Epiphanes. Some of you have probably heard that if you're Bible students at all and have studied any of prophecy. In type, absolutely. In the future, not quite so. Because Antiochus Epiphanes didn't come up out of the bottomless pit and doesn't fulfill all the specific things talked about when we get to the little horn. Continue reading, Brother Chad, just a little bit further. And upon his horns, ten crowns. And upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. Okay, that's good enough. The name of blasphemy. Ten kings, ten crowns. They're rulers. And for, oh, by the way, let me just get this out of the way right now. For all you folks out there that's, that's followed professors and, and this, that, and the other, just like I did, and think that it's the European Union and all that stuff back during the 90s, this was popular. Oh, they had the, the ten kingdoms and all of it figured out. Well, guess what? Guess what? Great Britain just got out of the whole mess, and there's more than ten. So, beep, wrong again, wrong again. <laughs> so it's not the European Union, it's not the ten kings, it's not the ten kingdoms. I don't think we know what the ten kingdoms are today. I'm not going to venture a guess. I've got my ideas, okay? I think they're out of sight. I've mentioned it in passing before because I believe that the whatever's mixing itself with the seed of man is on the backside ruling this world today. I do not believe for one second that who you think that's ruling and pulling the strings and the one that George Soros and all these Jews, I don't believe for a second that they're the ones that's actually 
pointing fingers and doing the ruling. And if you understand the divine counsel and the principalities and powers of Ephesians 6, you know it's not true. Yes, See? they're just gophers just you got it. around. Foot soldiers. Mm. Foot soldiers, as, we, as I like to call them. That's yeah. all they are. You can run around and kill your foot soldiers all, all you want to. You can beat them in the head, cuss them, point all you want to. Unless you cut off the head, all they do is get more foot soldiers. Come on, people, think. It don't do you no good at all to run around screaming Jew, Jew, Jew all day long. Okay? You, well, what you going to do about it? Huh? What you going to do about it? You said we're going to run them all out. Well, we had um, uh, Brother Adolph try. Didn't work too well, did it? Didn't work too well. Wasn't according to God's plan. How do I know that's what the book says? Didn't we read earlier in Daniel where the Lord said he, he puts the rulers in and takes them down and he sees fit, Brother Chad? Amen. Say, hey, it's against the word. I don't care what you think. I don't care what your daddy and mama think. I care what the book says. And I don't care what you like. I care what God likes. And he tells you he puts in the rule who he wants to rule. He, he sets them up and tears them down. He sets them up and tears them down. And unless you get the bottom line to all this prophecy and all this teaching, which is you better be bowing now to be able to rule later and reign later, you've missed the whole point of everything. Because that's what it's all about anyway, folks. Told you a million and one times. It's about his pleasure. That's what you're here for. You either bow now Suffer now, carry your cross now, or are you going to wind up in, a, let's put it this way, in a world of hurt? I ain't talking about hell. I'm talking about through the millennial kingdom. And we'll get to that when we get further down here in Daniel chapter 7, where it makes it a little plainer, and none of the great prophetic teachers will, hit, will mention it with a 10-foot pole. Continue reading, Brother Dave. Um, Daniel chapter 7, verse 3. This is a question. And the four great beasts came up from the sea. These beasts, are they the governments that we read about in Daniel chapter 2? These four the great beasts, he's fixing to explain them. You're going to get one beast that's going to the line. The first one is going to be Babylon. Mm -hmm. The second one, the arms and chest are Media Persia. Mm-hmm. The third one is Alexander the Great in the Greek kingdom. Right. The feet and the feet of iron and clay is Rome. Right. That's the. So they, this is the same as what De, uh, he was talking oh, about. Oh yes, yes. I thought I said that. Yeah, Daniel is uh, explaining in dream form. This is God's way of looking at it. Mm, okay. The, when Nebuchadnezzar, when the first interpretation came in chapter two, he gave it. For Nebuchadnezzar in, in in man's eyes, as in metals, gold, silver, brass, iron, clay. Okay, this is the way the Lord's looking at it. The way you know that's because he, you get two witnesses, because he mentions it in Daniel as beast, and he mentions it in the book of Revelation as beast. And also he mentions it in Isaiah as beast as well. And so these four kingdoms, they're coming up out of the people. 
That's right. Tea being the, the, the waters, the people. That's exactly right. Okay. Okay, a Daniel. Damning pe- a damning people, brother. Yes. <laughs> a damning Absolutely. <laughs> okay, continue on. Daniel chapter 7, verse 4. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. Okay, there's been many people speculate on what this verse means. Well, starting at the first part of the verse 4 here, the Babylonian, you folks realize that the first great kingdom after the flood, the Babylonian kingdom, they had postmen. Do you realize they're the ones that came up with our arithmetic? All the modern things that we have today, there's nothing new under the sun, folks. Just because you can kill somebody from a little bit further away don't make nothing new. Just because you can mash your button and kill somebody in Russia, you still, they're dead, okay? There ain't no difference shooting them with an arrow. When you're dead, you're dead, all right? So the killing the, the killing part, is, there's, no, there's nothing new there. The only things that have changed, there's been any kind of change from Babylon to today is in communication and transportation. We can move a little bit faster and we can talk a little we can talk further away. Now if you can struggle in your brain and find something that's in, that 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 we've discovered any greater, hey, people still live to a certain age and they die. No matter how much and man's always been trying since the very beginning, folks, to live forever outside and not and bypassing God, okay? That's been from the garden forward. So men are still dying. They're, they're, they're being born and they're dying. Ain't nobody living forever, okay? They ain't no, and not in the flesh, all right? Only one has done that so far. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. What's new? Nothing but communication and transportation. There's nothing new under the sun, folks. Just because you can get somewhere a little bit faster and you can talk to somebody in Russia from New York don't mean a hell of beans. You really? Oh, but we've been to the moon. Really? Oh, surely to goodness you're not buying that claptrap. Okay? You really, I've bought the, just like I, well, I don't know if I I bought it completely. My daddy never did buy it, but. I think I bought into it a little bit since I wanted to to know about the aliens and everything, and I think we all did to a certain degree that had any kind of uh, curiosity about us at all, wanted to try to buy into it just a little bit, but that's all a bunch of junk, folks, if you believe the book. So we ain't been nowhere, we, we, and even if we had, if, if, if you had to search the scripture, let's say, for instance, that some way, and this is where there's so much division, me and Brother Chad were talking about today. I, I think, Brother Chad, wasn't you talking about one of those flat earth sites that you were having some debates with some of the folks? Uh, not the flat earth. Oh, was, oh, okay, I got that wrong. But if, 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 hey, if it was even true, let's just say, for instance, it was true. That we'll say we had, we had been to send a rocket to somewhere, another planet. Okay, which I don't believe for a second. 
just call me a country bumpkin from Alabama, okay? But just say if just say we had done it. But it still ain't proved nothing. And if you had to, I know where the scriptures are. You could go to prove it, okay? <laughs> I know I'm not going to tell you where they are, <laughs> but I know where they're at. You could make them say you could make them say that if you wanted to to a young Bible student. You could quote those verses and imply it with authority and make them believe that that's what it was saying when that's not what it's saying, okay? And I'm a convert, see? I did believe it. I did know where they were, and I did buy it. But I've, I, I'm a convert now because I'm a biblical literalist, and I'm sticking to it. I'm not changing till I'm absolutely proven wrong. Now, if I'm proven wrong, then I'll say, okay, Lord, I made a mistake. You really didn't mean what you said. That means five people can have five different opinions, and all five of them be right. So I guess that's the way things work. You see what I mean, Jelly Bean? So you don't like that. You don't like that, do you? You don't like somebody to talk like that, do you? But that's the way it is. Either he meant what he said, or he told a lie. I speak reverently. The Lord knows my heart. I'm just trying to get a point across. Go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. No, uh, my fault. My bad there. Um, I was just going to add that that is an excellent example of the fact that we haven't been advancing at all. All of that is lies and misconception of reality. Indeed, we've degenerated from reality, from the truth, and we're just rediscovering some things that the ancient Hebrews, Chaldees, Babylonians understood a long time ago, that this is a flat enclosed plane amen and you know one of the one of the uh, wildest things about it is we don't know what all they knew from Genesis from the flood backwards really Mm. we don't really know all they knew oh amen pastor Don I would I would I would uh, speculate through my extra canonical studies that before I was a Bible believing Christian that their transportation and communication antediluvian was so much better than what we have today I believe that, and I believe it was just in with a different where where they use wires and uh, and fiber optics today and radar or whatever they used something better than that back then. Okay. Amen. That's the that's what I believe, and I, I'm pretty sure Brother David believes the same thing. Yes, I uh, know of an archaeologist who's uncovered some of these artifacts. Amen, brother. And and if, if folks, I mentioned it. I think a couple of times there was a there was some guy that had a radio program, and I I don't know if brother Kevin saved that stuff or not. Uh, I really doubt if he did. But it, this guy, that's all he dealt with was antediluvian stuff, technology and stuff that had been uncovered. And I'm not talking about Michael Cremo. Okay, I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about somebody else. But there was a guy that had a radio program and that's all he dealt with was antediluvian technology and stuff that had been found and documented in history as being found and folks i cannot find it to save my life and it's not michael cremo okay it's somebody else and it's not that german guy either they're both good even though cremo's a, a buddhist or a hindu or whatever he is he believes in reincarnation but he's got some good stuff when it comes to the to the uh technology showing that we ain't gone we like brother Davis, we ain't gone nowhere. We ain't done nothing, folks. How do you get how listen listen, listen to me. 
How do you get going from a garden, eating fruit, walking naked with your with with the best looking woman in the world, doing anything you want to do, going anywhere you want to go, and and having a wonderful time, kicking back in paradise? Do you think that we've advanced today? Please tell me. And living to be and, and could, would have lived forever if it hadn't been for disobedience. Will you please tell me how we've we've advanced, uh, how humans are so advanced today? See what I mean? Folks, you don't think. People don't think. You get involved with what the world teaches and the the modern way of looking at things today. And we only lived 70 years. There you go, three score and ten, brother. Yes. They lived to be almost a thousand. Well, yeah, and they would have lived forever. See, brother, the thing about it is they would have lived forever. If it yes. had been for disobedience. Amen. But yet you think we've advanced, huh? From eating fruit, naked with your good-looking woman, with, with painless childbirth forever, to populate whatever God's created. And he does say in two places, folks, he does say in two places, he made some worlds that are to be populated. He said it both, both of them in the same book. I'll let you find them. I'll let you find them. He does say it. Two places, and it is worlds, it is other worlds, it is not aeons, and it is other places. In the Greek. (laughs) So, how do you get from, do you think we're advanced today? All we've done is gone backwards. Every civilization that we're studying goes up to a certain point, boom, falls again. And every single one that falls Falls from, falls from, and I'm telling you, decadence, immorality, and intoxication has something to do with every single one of them. Even the great Greek poets wrote that when theaters were brought in, it tore down the morality of the great Greek culture. Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle even admitted that. That when theater, theaters were brought in, and you folks think we're go, we're, we're go to the movies, we're watching this, we're what, we're having such a good time, we've advanced. No, your civilization's going to hell in a handbasket, and your people are too, because you're comfortable and having a good time. And me, I'm I'm, I'm not saying I'm any different. That's the way of things, folks. That's the way of things without God. And ever since the fall, man's tried to bypass God's word and bypass God's law and find somewhere around it to beat God at his own game. And it ain't happening, folks. It just ain't happening. And to delude yourself, if you're not one of his, to delude, to delude yourself in any way, to think that there is any other way but, quote-unquote, the way, you're deceiving yourself, or you've been deceived. Continue to read, Brother Dave. Verse 5, And behold, another beast, a second, like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. Okay, this beast, this bear... If you see, if you get into the the, the dispensationalists, they'll try to to bring this up to date and make this Russia. I'm sure probably some of y'all have heard that. Some of the futurists, 
Yes. Some of the dispensational futures try to make this Russia, okay? And they try to say about these three bones, these three uh, things and three uh, ribs in their mouth, this so-and-so and so ain't buying none of it. The original thing, the original first fulfillment of it is talking about the second kingdom. It's talking about the media Persian kingdom, the silver chest and the two arms, the media Persia, media Persia, that two different, the arms and the chest of silver. Continue reading, Brother Dave. After this I beheld, and lo, another, like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. Okay, I'm glad you hit that just then because it made me remember to mention back up here with Nebuchadnezzar and the first golden kingdom, you notice the lion had wings. How many of y'all have heard anything about flight being back before our so-called civilization, our advanced civilization? I'm sure y'all have heard about it, flight before this. How could they have done this without being up in the sky? You've heard, you've seen all the stuff. You've seen the things in Peru on the ground. It's nobody could have put that stuff down unless they'd been up in the air to be able to look down to do it, right? Y'all heard of that? Y'all seen that? The Nazca lines and stuff like that? That's just a little bitty example, folks. And if, if you want me to recommend something that I want, that I, that I recommend that you watch, if you want to really put a lot of this stuff together, it's the, it's the True Legends DVD series that is coming out from Brother Steve Quill and Timothy Alberino. I know Brother David don't like Steve Quill, but I'm sorry. The stuff, the stuff, the stuff that the guy puts out is truth. Okay, I, I can understand why, brother. I, I don't like him in some areas. I, I can't help it. I can't stand it because he's a crazy maniac, you know, and has these visions and this, that, and other. But when he sticks with the Word of God and he uplifts the Lord Jesus Christ, and the stuff that he puts out is well researched, real well researched and spot on. It's his True Legend series, and this last DVD he put out. And anybody that's got a computer can go watch it online. I don't know exactly. I haven't watched it myself, but I know it's good because everything he puts out is good. And I've heard the reviews about it from from all over everywhere, and I mean all over this plane, how fantastic it is. It's called The Unholy Sea. You can type it into Google and look it up. The Unholy Sea is supposedly fantastic. And the one before that I did see, and it was excellent. It was about a lot of the stuff we're talking about now. This um, pre-Adamic, this, not pre-Adamic, but the uh, antediluvian world. And the stuff that was, was before the antediluvian world with the with pyramids and all that stuff. But anyway, getting back to the topic, not talking about Brother Quail anymore. We're going, uh, this wings, this wings this beast had. He was there. Was that the, the Babylonian Empire? Like I said before, they had mail route folks. Probably their mail, sir. They had mailman, mail whatever you know. They delivered. They had a postal service, just like we do today. I'm sure they probably just about as fast as it is today. <laughs> I say that tongue in cheek because of airplanes. But probably it was, They still had. They still could fly. I'm just going to say it. And these four wings, this next beast we see, Alexander the Great, is who it's talking about, the Grecian kingdom, had four wings. Read that again, Brother Dave. 
which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. Okay, these four heads, this is the Grecian kingdom, this is the brass kingdom, this is, this is, Alexander had one of the greatest armies that ever was, okay? He was, he was, he was known for his fast, his ability to strike fast, and he died, like I said earlier, he, dry, he, he died after a, a drunken orgy, okay, with intoxication involved in, in, in his death again, and he divided up into four parts his kingdom. They were divided. He, Cassander, weighs four generals. Cassander, let me see, what's the, what's the, Cassander, Ptolemy, and Licinius, and Seleucus. That was the four generals. Cassander took Macedonia and Greece when, when, um, when Alexander died at the age 33. And he, he, Alexander the Great is a type, I said a type, of the little horn. He's a type of the Antichrist. He's a type of the of the little of the the beast speaking with great words that we're gonna read about later, okay? It's a type. Not the real deal. But he died at thirty three, the same age that our Lord and Savior died at. I thought that was kind of uh, unique. He died at thirty three years old. But he gave he gave Cassander, took Greece and Macedonia, Seleucus took Asia Minor, Licinius Licinius took Asia Minor. I think that's right. Yeah, Licinius took Asia Minor, and um, the other one, Ptolemy, took Egypt. Ptolemy took Egypt. Oh, oh, and Seleucus took Syria. And out of Syria, we're going to find out in a little while, as we get later on in the chapters, that that's where Antiochus Epiphanes comes out of, is the Syrian arm of the Seleucian kingdom, and is the, is one of the greatest types of the Antichrist there are in history, okay, that I've done mentioned earlier. But anyway, this is the Grecian kingdom that he's talking about here now. Okay, brother, next beast. Now, all these beasts, now everybody knows they've seen a leopard, they've seen a lion, you've seen all these beasts that we've seen so far. But watch what's coming up. Watch what's coming up. It's going to be an unrecognizable beast, which, is, which leads to all different kind of interpretations. Continue on, Brother Dave. Daniel 7, verse 7. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold the fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. And nobody, we've, ne- we've never seen a ten-horned beast other than what it talks about in the Word of God. Somebody drew a picture of it. In real life, we don't know a no ten-horned beast. Okay? This Rome... The, the Roman Empire lasted for a thousand years, folks, for practically a thousand years. And when it turned into a, a Caesarship, when the Roman government turned into a dictatorship, it was the most feared 
government that's ever been. And nobody, listen, nobody destroyed, uh, took down Rome. Rome fell from within, and it fell apart into different countries. It never went away. It never was destroyed completely because the religious arm, the religious arm, did you hear me? The religious arm never went anywhere. That's why it's a different type of kingdom. It's different than all the other beasts. Totally different than all the other beasts. Because it has religious arm that's never went anywhere. Okay? And it turns into this ten-toed kingdom that we're going to talk about. And there's something very different. That's one of the reasons I made the reference. I wanted you to, if you take a notion and the Lord leads you that direction to get that DVD and watch it. It's two and a half hours long. It will be well worth your money or to rent it and watch it on, on the computer. The Unholy Sea, it'll be well worth your money. I promise you that. And you'll get scripture to back up everything that's talked about. I can assure you that as well. But the Roman, the power, the Rome, the Rome has never fell completely. It didn't go out. It just kind of went undercover. It's because it was a diverse beast and it had a religious arm. After it was after 325 A.D., when Constantine come in and everything went to hell in a handbasket, and she started becoming a whore from then on, he's been undercover. Okay, continue reading, Brother Dave. Verse 8, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn. Bingo. Do you notice? There came up among them. Not a separate one, but came up among them out of these ten toes. These ten horns here are a reference back to the ten toes. The ten toes that we read about, that seed would not mix with the seed of men, as clay does not cleave to iron. These, this is Daniel's, this is God's way of looking at this. Instead of the man's way of looking at it, it's God looking at this as little horns. And we're going to find out these are ten kings. Okay? We read in Revelation chapter 13 about and was given to them crowns. And they come up out of the people. But the one that we're most interested in, this little one, the little horn, this little one that pops up, We'll find out in the book of Revelation, which is companion to the book of Daniel, this sucker don't come up out of no great seas or anything. It comes up out of the bottomless pit from a different place, folks. And two things that are different just ain't the same. Okay? There's something extra special called a polyon. Okay? Called the capital W wicked one in the book of Thessalonians. So I want you to be thinking about this stuff that I've talked about tonight because we're fixing to jump off in deep water. We're going to stop here at verse 8 at the paragraph mark, and we're going to jump off in some deep water as the Holy Spirit starts interpreting this stuff, and Daniel's fixing to jump ship, and he's going to go, he's going to jump into the heavenlies. And this is where, like I said, a lot of people, they make all kind of guesses about this. 
how they some put it way in the future, and this is what's taking place. I even heard one guy say that all the judgments were taking place right at this second as we're talking right now. He said that back in the 90s. Okay? We're going to get to that. And you'll see the reference. As we go further, you'll see the reference that that led to the Lord's crucifixion. And Brother Don's always making Brother David or Brother Chad go back to and read in Daniel what got him killed when he claimed to be the cloud rider of Daniel 7. You'll see why I've went back here so many times as we go further on. Is there any questions in the chat room or any, Brother Chad, Brother David, y'all got any questions about anything that I've said? Or you want to add anything that I've said? I got a question. Sure, Brother. Shoot. Uh, you know the stone that was cut out, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, that's him. Mm-hmm. And how it broke in pieces, this, the gold, the silver, the brass, and the iron, and the iron and clay. Everything. Yes. Well, when that depiction makes it sound like it all happened at one time. Yes, it does. But the actual kingdoms were over the span of thousands of years. That's correct. So they didn't. It wasn't a one-time event. No, sir. Right. That's right. It was not a one-time event. That's why. See, folks. That's why you've got dual fulfillment of prophecy. That's why Brother Don has been telling you that for going on four years that you've got to get in your mind because a lot of these Bible teachers, well-meaning though they may be, okay, and even authoritative speaking as some of them can be, you have to understand that everything's not in the past. And I've given you the witnesses in the New Testament by Peter and the Lord Jesus Christ himself to prove that prophecy can come to pass and you can realize it's taking place at the very moment. Before those witnesses were given, prophecy was always fulfilled, and you would never know it had, had happened and taken place till you look back to see it. But the Lord and the Apostle Peter set a precedent in the New Testament. I've given you the two witnesses, Peter at the day of Pentecost and the Lord Jesus Christ when he quoted half of a verse out of Isaiah 61 and shut the book and stopped at a comma halfway through to show you, and he said, this day is this prophecy fulfilled in your sight. It had never been done before throughout the Word of God. All the prophecy spoken was only realized looking back. He set a new precedent that you, you knew if you caught it, and trust me, 99% of them out there don't catch it, that he was setting a precedent with two witnesses, him and Peter, that... Peter says the same thing, talks about Joel too, and he reads the whole thing saying this day is this prophecy fulfilled, and it ain't no more done it than nothing. There wasn't no fiery smoke falling down and all this stuff happening. Go back and read Joel 2 and 3. Only part of it took place, showing you that there's dual fulfillment of prophecy, just like Brother Don's trying to tell you. The scriptures say it. I don't have to say it. I'm just telling you it's there. And the ones that don't believe it, ignore it. They ignore it, what I just told you. I showed you where a comma separates going on over 2,000 years. The Lord Jesus out of his own mouth and taking you back there numerous times and showed you when he quoted the verse himself. 
and you go read the verse, and it ain't all fulfilled. He's not come back and destroyed all of his enemies. That takes place at a later time. Only part of the prophecy's been fulfilled. Therefore, there's a dual fulfillment of prophecy, folks. Any more questions? Add anything else, Brother David? Yeah, so that happened uh, at least five times. The the actual final time the Lord Jesus Christ crushes a kingdom will be at the end of right. the age. Right. You remember in Hebrews where it said he's going to sit by his father's throne till his enemies be made his footstool? Amen. See what I'm saying? See that? Yes, yes. Okay. So it's definitely a multiple times this yes, prophecy yes. was fulfilled Amen, and one brother. yet to come. Amen, brother. There's no doubt about it. There is no doubt about it. And the Bible changers, all the, all this stuff started happening, folks. All these different ideas on all this stuff started happening when it started changing the Word of God. You start messing with the book, you start messing with the way people look at things, and I'm not going to start hollering about the King James Bible again. But anyway, that's when it all started around 1881, all these different divisions. And the, the decadence is just went to hell. We went to hell in a handbasket as a Christian people. Anybody got anything in the chat room? Brother Chad, you got anything? Oh, I was I have four pages of notes, but uh <laughs> I was I was thinking about cuz I remember you talking about Alexander the Great before and I I've done some study on him in the past and how him being a type of of the antichrist and right. you had mentioned before that in your opinion that maybe he was like the last in in history that we know of that was one of these uh I believe that yeah, and 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 I'm I'm leaning that way too because it's it, I'm thinking of the things that I've learned of him and that that famous uh, battle where he had like twelve thousand men versus uh, what was it a hundred thousand men and he and he won that battle against the Persians there yeah, and that's right just the great things he did but also and this is what I found interesting that he was very much for race mixing yes and I mentioned it would be during that kingdom that you'd see a, a sign of mingling of the races because yep. you know why because can the ethiopian change his skin or the leopard change his spots and what's that animal it's a mm -hmm. leopard it's a that's leopard right. and that's it his, is that's a his. leopard and you know what the you know what the, uh, the the on a leopard's coat you know what the sign the sign of those those spots are on a leopard's coat oh i should know this you've mentioned it they're Tell like me. the shape of lips. Lips, that's correct. They're, they're shaped like lips. They sure are. Yeah. And the Ethiopian changes skin or the leopard changes spots. That's right. That's a good thing. And what Brother Chad's talking about, some of you folks don't have a clue probably what we're talking about. In my opinion, Alexander the Great was not completely human. In my opinion, even in, in, in uh, Greek history, they say that his that his his daddy was Zeus, okay? One of the fallen angels. You take it all the way back to Genesis 6, one of the principalities and powers, one of the divine council, whatever you want to call it. Like it says in Genesis 6, there were giants in the earth in those days, Nephilim, and also after that, okay? It all hinges around that. That that one little old thing that the Lord just says three, three four little verses about, and just drives people crazy. That's why so many people overlooked it and tried to do away with it. Oh, Julius Africanus tried to spiritualize it away and say it was the sons of Seth 
and all that Sethite bull crap. That's just absolutely ludicrous. He's the one that started it, by the way. He's the first one who's ever mentioned it with Jewish Africanus, one of the quote-unquote so-called church fathers. Anything else? That's it. Okay. No questions. Okay, if there's no questions in the chat room, then we'll pick up here um, Sunday night. Let me see. No, I tell you what, Brother Kevin, just leave Sunday night to be announced because I think I want to do something different Sunday night. I mentioned this something about to Brother Chad today. Uh, I I'm praying about it. I haven't made up my mind yet. But just, it, just leave it to be announced. But there will definitely, Lord willing and help permit, and there will be a program um, Sunday night, but it will it will be off of this topic here, and we'll pick back up with Daniel chapter nine Monday night, and then next Friday night we'll pick up with Revelation, where we left off in Revelation chapter four. Is that okay with you guys? Hey brother, yes, Daniel eight. The last program we did, yeah, was to be announced and never really got a title, so we can't use it again. It's still got that title. The last program was to be announced. You can't go in there and write a title to it. It don't you work that way. Huh? You gotta give me one. Oh well, what it, was, it was Daniel yeah. chapter six, wasn't it? Or what, what was it we did? No. I, that was your that was your spider bite night where you uh, you went oh, on. Oh, that's right. That's you right. were you were free forming it that night. Pastor. Yeah, it was it was kind of off. So I don't I don't know what you want to call it. Was that where we went back? That didn't that the, the program? It lasted about two hours. Yes. Okay. That's that. I was delirious. Absolutely correct. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was the day you got bit, probably. <laughs> it was, well, I know. I know it was. I tell you, brought it to my attention. Brother Tony Adams was talking to me, and and I told him that my um, buddy from um, Columbus, Georgia, said I looked like I'd been on a three-day drunk when he seen my face. And Tony and Brother Tony said. And you sounded like at that last program, you sounded like you'd been drinking. <laughs> so I was delirious. So just um, the day Don got bit, <laughs> <laughs> just call it Spider Bite Night, okay? Let's call it that. <laughs> that sounds pretty cool. That'd make everybody listen to it anyway, won't it? <laughs> oh yeah, it was a good teaching. I it was very enjoyable. Well, I've listened to it twice myself, and I noticed. It. Don, was, was you sleepy or something? You sound awful weird. I didn't tell y'all nothing wrong, no. I mean, the, the the doctrine is spot on. I didn't go give you any bad scripture or anything like that. But anyway, yeah, put it spider thought, by my brother. I just thought it was uh, medication or something that you were... Oh, you noticed it. You ought to said something to me about it, brother, because I couldn't have changed it because I didn't know anything was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, you were covering the scriptures quite well. I, I did notice that there was like a lisp to your voice that you uh-huh. never have. And uh-huh. I thought, oh, maybe you did some of that heavy-duty pain medication. I wish I know, had some of that pain, uh, heavy-duty pain medication to take care of some of this mess. Nope, that's not what it was, brother. Okay. But anyway, put spider bite night, I guess, brother, and put the one Sunday night to be announced. Uh, let me see. How, what can I call it? Um. Uh, 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 this, yeah, you can give it a title. Put it about heresies. In parentheses, in, in quotation mark, about heresies. Because I mean, Brother Chad was talking about it today, and I'm going to show y'all how some of the heresies are taught. I've, I've told y'all before, I, for going on four years now, 
that I was going to do it some night, and I'll do a little bit of it Sunday night. I'll, I'll, t- I'll prove to you why you have to be baptized to be saved, okay, even though you don't. I'll prove to you why they believe what they believe. I'll also prove to you why that there's a pre-tribulation rapture, because I was going to do that anyway when we hit Revelation chapter 4. That's just one or two of the things. And I'll also teach, um, show you why you must speak in tongues as evidence of being saved. I'll show you that one, too. I know why they teach what they teach, folks. I understand why they believe what they believe. It's not, it's not that they don't have a scripture to back it up. They don't have the scriptures, plural, to back it up. That's the problem. They don't have the word of God contextually to back it up in light of the whole scriptures. And I'll hit on some of that stuff um, Sunday night. So just put it about heresies. That's the title for Sunday night, and you can put the spider bite night down for the other one. Brother Chad, if you would, go ahead and dismiss us in a word of prayer, brother. Yes, Heavenly Father, we're so blessed to be uh, fulfilled and, and, and filled with your words this evening. Uh, we ask that you bless them for our edification, that we may grow in your words, Father. And we're truly thankful for for all that we have today, Lord. We're thankful that Brother Don is, is on the mend and that, that I'm sure that spider got more sick than he did from, from biting him. Father, we know you must love him very much, our Pastor Don, because he seems to get a lot of your attention and uh, we're just thankful that we were able to have him tonight. And we pray for his continued healing, Lord, and that he may be stronger and stronger and that he may be able to share the truth that, we've, that, we, so, that we so desire, Lord, the truth that is your word, your, your heavenly son, and the words, the words that you have given to us. These truths we live on, Lord, and we ask that you help us in, in, our, da- in, our, daily, in our daily lives, Lord. To to realize these truths and to make them part of our life, Lord, so we may be renewed and transformed in our mind, Lord, and that we may sh- um, show ourselves approved unto you and divide the word of truth, Lord, and put them into action, Lord, not just to not just to d- take them internally, but to put them into action, yes, Lord, so that the world around us may be able to see your light in us, Lord, that when we walk when we walk with our heads held high. In thankfulness, Lord, that the world around us be able to see your shining light within us, Lord. Yes, Lord. That we may be an example to the rest of our brethren. And we pray for all of our brethren, Father, the the ones that that are in the chat room, the ones that may download at a future time, uh, the ones that we don't know, Lord. We ask that that if there be other brethren of the Bride of Christ, that that you bring them into our lives, Lord. Because we're so... If, if there's anything we can do for our brethren in the bride, Lord, you know that, that we would do it because we are all part of your body, Lord, and one part is no more important than the other, and we feel the pain of all of all the parts, Lord. So if there's any way that we're able to to ease that pain or help our brethren, we want to be able to do that, Lord, as it would be your will that you give us the power, that you be able to give us the, the means that we be able to do this, Lord. And... Again, we we pray for for uh, brother Stephen, Julia, and and brother Sergio, that they're that that you continue to work in them, Lord, uh, 
and to edify them and bring them up and make them strong servants and, and ministers of your word, Lord. And we uh, we pray for we. That's that's it, Lord. We are just so humbled by your presence and your almightiness that you are the the true and the one and the only King of King and Lord of Lords, yes, and that you shed your blood for our salvation, that we might be able to be in fellowship with you by the repentance of our sins and those angels that that rejoice every time we do, Lord. We ask that you show us we show us that one sin that we haven't thought of yet, that we don't remember yet. Like I felt today two or three times, Lord, I I I, I felt sins. And and I repent of them, Lord. Yes. And I pray that everyone out there, at, within the sound of my voice, that you would touch them and show them those sins too, Lord. That that the angels may rejoice in heaven above, where our holy Father is, Lord. And we pray all these things in your precious and holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Brother Chad was praying there. I I was thinking about a couple of things that that he prayed about, talking about unconfessed sin. Folks, let me tell you something. Whether you know it or not, it ain't just my, this is not Brother Don's opinion, what I'm fixing to say here. This is an actual biblical fact. Go read it. But you got to believe what you read, okay? One of the biggest sins in the body of Christ is the disassociation the non-fellowship, the non-contact of true members of the Bride of Christ and the Body of Christ today. You have you were warned that the body could not go in separate directions. Don't hey look, don't give me none of those excuses. Telephone calls shouldn't cost you a dime if you've got call if if you've got that call and stuff where uh, you know, you can call anywhere in the nation to tell a brother hello. Hey, if I had your number, I'd call you if you were inside the United States. Problem is, with my brothers that I talk with all the time, they're outside the country. Okay? But that's, one of the, that's one of the biggest sins in the bride of Christ, personal, that's not repented of. And, you know, another thing, the actions that shown by your response to the Holy Spirit and the truth of God. You say, you're judging. You dadgum right, I'm judging. That ain't me judging. No, it's the Word of God that's doing the judging. How do I know? Because I can go read it to you. We all do it, folks. We're so split up and splintered, it's pitiful. We love our brethren. We, we can talk big sometimes. But when it comes down to action, we are sure are slacking it sometimes, aren't we? And it made me think also, as Brother Chad was praying, two of the most glorious chapters in the world. I've been through it twice now. And two of the most glorious chapters in all of the Word of God is Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 5. Some of the some of the, the people just don't they don't seem to get because once you get through with it, then some you got some doubting their salvation here and some not even knowing if they're saved here and you don't seem to understand the doctrine of salvation. I hear the little bitty things that go on, okay? 
and it bothers me because it's clear that and you, you've been misled by false teaching. The very one that the mysteries and the, the very gospel of your salvation was revealed to is plain about what he says. There's no ambiguity. Peter, I, even Peter had trouble with it because he got a different revelation. I was talking to Brother Chad about it today. And I may, I may have to go through those two chapters again, and maybe I need to go through it slower and not do so much yelling and screaming. That's my fault, and I apologize for my lack of ability and inability to articulate what I'm trying to get across. Because you're justified, folks. You're not justified by anything you do. There's not a single sap-sucking thing you can do to be justified. Nothing. Nana. If you're not in the ungodly character classification, you can't be justified. You know why? Because Christ died for the ungodly. See, that stuff is just as plain as day. For while we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, all you people that think that you can get out there and do something good to help Jesus out a little bit, you're falling from grace. The Galatians had that problem. It's either by grace through faith alone or nothing at all, folks. And I don't give a tinker's damn what anybody tries to pull out of the book of Acts or out of the book of James. You can't touch the Pauline epistles with a touching machine. It's plain as day. That's why a lot of our persuasion won't touch them with a 10-foot pole. And when they do, they'll, they'll, they'll screw it up by going to the Greek or writing a different translation because they can't handle the plain English. You're either his or you're not. Because unmerited love is grace. You know what unmerited means? It means not there's nothing meritorious you can do to get it the favor. That's what grace means unmerited favor grace through faith faith in what the blood of christ whose faith his faith justifies you galatians 2:20. but i may have to go through all that again because there's new listeners all the time and new downloaders so if it's repetitious to some of you folks Hey, if you, when you get to where you can quote all the scriptures, then you then then start hollering at me and telling I'm being then tell me I'm being repetitious about it, okay? But until you can, until you can tell somebody else, then if I should keep my mouth shut, and I say that with love, and I mean it with all my heart. So, Lord willing, and health permitting, I'll see you guys Sunday night. love each and every one of you. I pray for you each and every day, and I would appreciate the same from you. Brother David. Contact information for Don Spears Ministry. Telephone number 
334-397-2333. Again, 334-397-2333. The email address is respect to the Lord at yahoo.com. Respect to the Lord at yahoo.com. The mailing address is 3155 Louisville Street, apartment D1, Clio, Alabama, zip code 36017. Thank you very much for listening tonight, folks. God bless each and every one of you, and Lord willing, help remit, we'll see you guys Sunday night. Good job, Brother David and Brother Chad and Brother Kevin. Love you guys. See you Sunday night. Good night, night. Pastor Don. Good night, Brother Good night, Good night, Brother Chad. Good night, Brother Kevin.